0: Moonpig Hello world and welcome to the Moonpig Tech Podcast. My name is Jacob and I have here with me Richard again. Hello. And today we will be talking a bit about mobile first design, especially because in recent years we saw a strong increase in mobile internet usage to the point where people normally use their phones more than they use the desktops by now. So it became a a very important topic in our industry. And I'm very, very happy that I have two amazing guests with me here today, Hannah and Jesus. Um, Hannah is a designer at Moonpig and Jesus is a mostly front-end developer. And they will now introduce themselves. Hannah, do you want to start?
1: I'll start. Hi, everyone out there. Uh, I'm Hannah and I've, yes, been at Moonpig. We've, uh, I've been here for about, coming up for two years. And as you might hear, I'm South African. I've also been a UX designer, really. I've, I've tried quite a few different industries just to get perspective on design in different environments. And I'm thrilled to be a Moonpig at this point. Over to you, Jesus.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Jesus. I've been working for Moonpig since 2014. Uh, started as the only front-end developer. And things have changed a lot since then.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. Awesome. So uh, I think what we want to start with and that's already a quite big question. So we just want to give a quick introduction is what is mobile first design?
1: Really, I think it's a design strategy and it really talks to the environment we're in today, which is so mobile device heavy and the you know it was really reiterated this morning when i was on the way in and i was sitting on the tube and i just thought you know look at that right in front of me was this lovely woman but she had her mobile phone in her right hand and a coffee in her left hand, of course, morning coffee, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a gentleman standing right next to her, and he was holding on to a handle and his mobile phone in his left hand. Mm. And then there was another guy, uh, you know, with his bag between his legs and holding a mobile phone with both of his hands so it really illustrated this morning that you know we really do cling on to our phones (laughs) and and also as as a designer that we have to be thinking about the diversity of people and how they're interacting with mobile devices so hopefully that's clear enough
0: all right so so i guess what's interesting there is um because we we had mobile device usage in the past right But but it came to the point where we're talking about not like mobile first right so what what does it mean to design for a mobile first
1: essentially it's saying look you know we have we have let's let's prioritize the smallest device let's figure out how our components work on you know the the smallest real estate that anybody might have or interact with us and then let's figure out how it expands onto you know another device And Jesus and I were really trying of kind of likening it to when you have a tiny house and trying to fit everything into a tiny house, you have to get very clever, right? About how you're going, where you're going to put the sink, how are you going to convert things, as opposed to having a giant mansion, and then how do those elements translate into the mansion? Do you do you keep them? And jesus was saying you know
2: yeah you might have too too many empty space in that case and you might feel like well how do i fit all this space with uh, such a small content so it gets tricky to translate from from mobile to, to desktop as well
1: yes and and you know we want to try and avoid that situation of once you have translated it uh to having tons of echoes yeah you know a house that's empty.
3: So, so I guess what, you, what you're saying is you, you do the simplest or most beautiful thing for a mobile device and then you can expand on that when you get to a bigger desktop. You can add more things if you need to or anything that adds value.
1: Very much so, really it's 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 around prioritizing. Again, I think an element of it that's important is we look at our customers and the problems they're experiencing most importantly on a mobile phone first mm-hmm. and saying, Let's look at those problems, let's list them out and let's go after them above other potentially desktop related problems, because we know there are two separate environments that have very particular customer needs.
0: Yeah. So what is quite interesting there is we we ran the numbers and we said, what was it? Seventy four percent of our of our traffic is on mobile devices, which is quite, quite significant. Um, So maybe you can give us like. Jesus, a little bit of a of a background, considering you've been here for quite a while. Um, Where when did we decide that we need to change our approach, right? Because um, a few years back, Moonpig was designing for desktop first, um, and how this kind of like has changed over the last few years.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It was desktop first, um, and to be fair, it wasn't so bad because we had a, a fairly good mobile application or web application uh, the bad thing I guess it was that we had a duplication there because we have um, approached uh, the, the problem from uh, an adaptive uh, way so we had um, a version of the website for mobile devices and a version of the website for desktop devices. If I remember correctly we even had a separate version for for tablet or at least some modifications of the mobile one um, so that makes things harder in the sense of Mm. moving forward and creating new features or new pages. Uh, But also that means that the page wasn't fully responsive and with new mobiles and new um, different dimensions of of devices coming up um, now and then that would make things really difficult to escalate. Um, So one of the focus uh, since the very beginning, since I started, was to uh, try to make the uh, main core user journey mobile first. And responsive, I guess, was more responsive than mobile first. Um, and then, the developers uh, in general, we we wanted to tackle the problem from mobile from the mobile first approach uh, because of the all the benefits that that bring along uh, when developing the the pages.
3: Yeah, I assume that wasn't trivial. Um, you know, Moonpig having been around for. I'm not sure how long, what ten years or so, the website before you started working on that, Um, and obviously from a technology point of view, it was starting to show its age uh, with a technology that definitely wasn't built for mobiles. You know, when Mm -mm. when when we first started, so I guess there was quite a lot of work to do to go from the adaptive approach, which would have been, I guess, conceptually a little easier initially, uh, to, to a responsive one, which is the same content served up for different devices um, how did you start tackling that what was the what was the uh, strategy
2: yeah I think that the main approach was going from product uh, and the thing we did is look at the traffic we're getting look at the usage we had across the site and focus on those pages that were more important for the users but also for the business and in terms of uh, making sure that uh, we're tackling the, those pages that will make the difference uh, in general for users and also for, for the business. Mm. Um, so, as it was, so you didn't try and do the whole site straight off? It was no, small, <laughs> small no. nice little chunks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As I was saying before, we focus on the main user journey. I think it also was quite well aligned to the work that we were doing in the backend because we started uh, decoupling a lot of functionality mm-hmm. from the main website solution in different services. Um, So that helped a lot because we started building um, a lot of uh, existing pages from the grounds. uh, So that allowed us to move away from uh, using that adaptive approach and using that third-party tool that was telling us uh, if the user was coming from a mobile device or or a desktop.
1: Certainly, we certainly we certainly do look to, you know, metrics, bounce rate and drop-off. Are there any particular places that we can see that are causing a lot of pain? And that pain we've got some rudimentary measures, but they're still a good indicator of where things might be going wrong, which will feed in, you know, to a lot of other measures and and requirements.
0: So in these rudimentary measures you said in that case is like all connected to like page views, drop-off rates, bounce rates, all, all of these so. things. So it's basically GA tracking what we do in that area right that helps us to prioritize um, where to start and then which things to Mm -hmm. change in the depth first so we basically at this point we identified kind of the first pages or the first journeys that we we need to change Um, how how did your approach change from like a designer's perspective, right? I, I can I can imagine if, you, if you're trying to build out a feature and you go like, okay, I'm gonna start with my desktop, my classic like 16 by nine landscape. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a user who has a keyboard and a mouse, which is very, very different to very having different. to having a hand. And normally, as you said, normally people use one hand and type mm. with both, but for like quickly browsing, you normally use one. So yeah, what, what kind of like change does ha- need to happen in the design team to make this work?
1: Well, again, like you said, it's a very tricky challenge, right? You know, it's it's something that we face daily. And I think what what we've certainly tried to do is, you know, really try and consider the environment, uh, you know, and the tough part is sometimes you almost feel like you need a loud hailer to really try and get everybody on board and remind everyone. Right. Because when you sit down at work, what's the environment you're sitting in? A desktop right in front of you you know you put your mobile phone away and so instantly your brain goes okay this is what I'm working on and also all our tools that we bring up each day are desktop related so even our design files that we work in right you're working on a desktop (laughs) feels kind of like you know world within a world so what we do try and do is we remind each other you know if we stand in a design review and somebody's presenting something that is obviously desktop specific. You get a good old whack on the hand and go back to the <laughs> go back to the Figma file, please. Uh, and yeah, I think making some mistakes, but also really in our design files, prioritizing mobile at the top. You know, and everything else sort of translates beyond yeah beyond mobile. So that's really the transition. Uh, I think also for us, some of the things that have helped are being able to really look at real devices. So, recognizing that once we've made a prototype, and we've actually been quite fortunate recently, you know, tools are adapting so that we can put prototypes on mobile phones. And it's, you know, there was a time in a, in a designer's life when. You had made a wonderful prototype, but you actually couldn't show it. You couldn't take it and connect it to what you've made on a desktop device and be able to show it around and get feedback. Yeah. Whereas, you know, tools have certainly helped us. And now with a simple QR code, you can get that prototype live on your phone and you can pass it around the team and get people to give your feedback. Which is a huge help, and you know another thing that Jesus and I certainly we go through, and I know Jesus is really good at this, is prioritizing our testing devices and making sure there's a variety there, uh, and you know including tablet, right? That's that's mobile in its own way.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, those are those are some of the things.
2: Yeah, and one really cool thing that I think is worth mentioning from the designer uh, and UX team is that they even start. Uh, using the mobile uh, devices from the user testing uh, stage of of the process. So when when they do a user test session, they have a mobile uh, in front of the user instead of testing with uh, the website application which is That's great you know. Cool.
1: we've got we've got uh, this 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 tool that helps which is called mr. tappy and I uh, know it's, it's, it's nothing to do with me right? no, <laughs> no it's not and if you look at it you know it's actually it's a, it's a smart idea but it, it can get in the way sometimes and it, it just certainly allows you to within an, a laboratory or just a room who are we kidding <laughs> um, to, to watch how somebody behaves and how they interact but again it's still one removed because the persons not holding that phone in their hand you can't lift up this sort of technology and have it and watch them naturally use it so Uh, there are definitely things we can still work on
0: i think it's good to quickly mention mr Tap is basically a little arm holding a camera (laughs) uh, where you put your phone underneath so you have a nice top-down view of your people using your phone but yeah as you said Mm -hmm. it removes this natural kind of habit of us like walking around and standing around with the phone right and we it changes a bit when you put something on on a table compared to when you hold it in your hand, just the reach of your thumb mm. is in e- in immediately different. Okay. But definitely. It, it definitely, I think, helped us from the perspective of going like, okay, we if we wanna be mobile first, we need to be it in all areas and not just from a design. We need to be it in dev, We need to be it in user testing. Um, and as okay. you said, it, it requires you. it requires a bit of a cultural shift in, in all the teams.
1: It does. It just, a hu- you know, humans are fallible. We all have habits and patterns. And yeah. so as we have to understand the human behavior of our customers, we have to do the same with ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So what? Does that mean we're going to get rid of our Macs and our desktops and start designing our mobiles? <laughs> <laughs> Please, no.
3: <laughs> I suppose the the, the point... That's worth raising. There though is that we don't neglect desktop design, right? We, that still goes through a design process. So how do we evolve the design that you've made that works wonderfully for a mobile user into something that's a good experience for a desktop user?
1: So hard again, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I think where we are today, we have to be honest. That is a problem we're facing right now. We have we can clearly see that we're, you know, the experience isn't consistent across all of them. And really we have to we we're hoping our sort of our mecca that we're working towards is having a design system that solves a lot of these questions for us, you know, that has been thought through on different devices and, and we see it really at at the atomic level of the components. And what, how do they behave so that you know, we can create a little environment in which these atoms and molecules all fit in together depending on the device that's registered. So I think really right now we know we're struggling but we're working, we've done a lot of work to get a design system in place and that essentially just talks to what is, what is on our site. And how do those components respond and change depending on the environment? And it is a very, very time-consuming and tough thing to do, but we are pushing through. And, yeah, I think it's going to solve a lot of our troubles.
0: Uh, Well, what I find quite interesting is I, I was just thinking about that you said when I have a design system I, I, I can rely on it and I can basically lean on it right mm. I don't need to answer the same questions over and over and over yes. which is what does a button or a menu or like what what do our forms look like on desktop and mobile that these things are answered mm. and what I was just thinking of is it, it's kind of like software architecture on on Android we we, we want to figure out how we do specific things and, and how we like separate fetching data from displaying it on the screen. And this is a very important question, but an architecture helps you saying like, well, the basic skeleton is sorted out and you don't need to ask this over and over and implement it over and over. Totally. Right? You, you can just reuse a system and it's as it, it's a design system. Mm. So it, sh- it should help those, with it.
1: Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, really to then ask those more important questions, get, the, get, get those those components out of the way so that we can see real problems you know how how where is somebody getting stuck you know where is the visual hierarchy not working and we need to reconsider how we show things Mm. there are just so many more questions we can ask and if we can get that out of the way then you know and taken care of we can really move fast
2: yeah yeah it it also helps a lot uh, for us as developers to getting lost in translation between design and and implementation because Usually you get a PDF or, or whatever is the, the support of the design and you have to translate that into HTML and CSS. Uh, and unless you have uh, accurate meish- measures for everything, uh, it's up to the interpretation of the developer. And then when you review the, the final result with the designer, you might fi- find a lot of discrepancies. Yeah, no, so you know,
1: Jesus is from Spain, I'm from South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we get <laughs> lost in translation a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's another thing, language. <laughs> 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 so, so,
3: Jesus, I guess um, Hannah's already mentioned that it's, it's, there's quite an overhead in, in the design process going from mobile to desktop and being able to sort of fill in the gaps, and it's, it's hard work. What about from a developer perspective? Because it, you sh- pre- presumably you've got as much work to do as well.
2: Yeah, I, I have to say that having a proper design process in, in place and uh, having in, into account, take into account that. Uh, we get a version of, of the design for mobile, tablet, and, and desktop delivery every time we have to build a new page or a new feature. Uh, that helps a lot. And the mobile-first mobile approach helps a lot as well into not to fail in those scenarios where you have a lot of divs or a lot of components in your page and you have to fit them suddenly into a very small screen and you don't know where to mm-hmm. place things. Mm-hmm. So um, that's fairly easier. Uh, having having all in context all of this, but you always have those scenarios where you have to build that hamburger menu, for example, with an accordion, and suddenly you have to translate that on desktop, uh, on a one liner, and a different com- a completely different behavior. Um, so yeah, you always want to have those kind of scenarios where um, moving from a mobile uh, UI to, to a desktop it, it gets really complex, but in general I think uh, that's not the case.
3: So is the trade-off that we went from with Adaptive, which would actually be, you would have got um, specific pages served up to the user, depending on what device they're on, to Responsive, which is you get one HTML page come back with some CSS but it has media queries on it, or or whatever technology you're using, to present it differently. Does that mean that it's harder to manage the code? Like, because it's all in one
2: file, rather than split across several files? Well, it doesn't need to be. It depends on how how it gets done. Uh, If you follow best practices and do things properly, you can still split your code in different models. Uh, And obviously, if you have, as Hannah was saying, a proper design system that will help even even further, because if you f- split your CSS in, into components, uh, you will have the CSS for a button in one place. And even though you will have some media queries to make that, uh, that button work properly on a tablet and a, on a desktop as well, uh, it will be small enough that it wouldn't be a, a problem. We had those kind of uh, situations uh, back in the past uh, when we were first moving from from the adaptive approach to the more uh, responsive, uh, where we had huge files and huge media queries. Um, In part was because of what was existing before, but also because of the rush of getting things out. Uh, But yeah, that shouldn't be the the case, as I was saying. So teething issues, really. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Time
1: pressure, right?
0: (laughs) So what would you say are some of these best practices to not make a huge mess in your, in your CSS files.
2: So definitely start always mobile first because that would uh, make your code shorter. Um, that's, that's the main thing. But uh, following what your Richard was saying, uh, to not end up with huge files, uh, I think following um, um, a design system is the best approach where you can split uh, all your CSS into basic components and try to make uh, your CSS as more modular as possible. And I guess we use more small files that we bundle together or something. Exactly. And I guess we use Sass for that. Uh, we are using Less, less. Uh, on the current website. Yeah. Uh, as preprocessor. Yeah. And yeah, regular media queries. We have like I think four different breakpoints yeah. uh, that basically allow us to design for uh, mobile tablet and desktop Uh,
0: what's the fourth one
2: Uh, the fourth one is because we have uh, large screens and extra large Mm. so I think the largest is 1200 pixels
0: okay
1: don't forget that people are starting to obviously access apps devices on your TV well, you know, if we see it. We see it coming through on Google Analytics, really. Where
0: well, people design cards on their tellies. No. <laughs> no, no. <Yeah. laughs> no, I
1: mean, now we've got, you know, customers going through and, and scanning the internet <laughs> and get heading outside. But I suppose that's an interesting
3: interesting point, though, isn't it? That actually, even on desktop, it's different resolutions. So yeah. the oh, problem, yeah. this problem isn't just just at small devices. It's it's trying to make it look beautiful for everyone. That's
1: right. it. And like yeah. and 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 Jesus, again, as we mentioned, was around. You know, not letting it have echoes. The bigger it gets, the more echoes there are. You know, you've got to really start to think. Do you, and you don't want to overwhelm it either. Just because it's bigger, does it need to have more content? Content. Yeah. And and hopefully not. We, <laughs> we, that's going to be one of our, our rules. But. Yeah, you really do have to question, you know, and, and when somebody's standing in front of a television, what are they doing? Mm. That's different to a, a mobile,
3: yeah. And do you have to consider things like resolution as well? Like, I guess m- most mobile devices now have got really wonderful high-res screens. And if you put images up on those that aren't high, high definition, then they're just
2: not going to look good enough. Yeah, we, we did worry at some point when uh, the Retina Displays came up with uh, the new uh, tablets from ios and the new iphones and we had some spreadsheets with all the icons from the website in two resolutions and we were basically implementing uh, all the css needed to to serve um, to those screens i think nowadays is something that has disappeared right? and i don't think many people still s- worry that much i mean we still uh, serve different resolutions uh, depending on the device you are using or the screen size you have uh, but I don't think it's that, that much worry on, on that uh, level of resolution. Mm. Yeah.
1: From, from from a design perspective really the, the the resolution is important. You know, it talks to at least from a you know, fundamentals within user experience design, it really talks to trust. Do you trust your do you trust your site? Uh, the site that you're interacting with if they haven't got images, you know, that are very clear. It just makes you think and we see it and we've we've certainly seen a massive uplift in response to image clarity that has just kind of been done for our homepage. And that's exciting. It says that, you know, customers really do notice the difference. Mm
0: -hmm. One thing I found really cool when we had our discussion, our preparation Mm -hmm. for this for this episode is you said you pair together.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> which i think is funny because like most developers don't even pair together mm. um <laughs> not enough developers mm. pair together what does it look like how long have you been doing it and kind of like what are the kind of like the benefits if they are hopefully there are <laughs> benefits no no benefit. benefits <laughs> 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 um
2: yeah what are those so that's that's been going on for the last like six, mo- six months or so yep. uh, more or less and it's not a peer, uh, per session like we do as developers. Uh, so usually uh, I start implementing the design and then when I reach to a point where I have everything more or less in place, then I ask Hannah he- she has some time, or Natasha, the other designer in the team, and then we sit together and I carry on with the last few bits, but with her in the side saying, Can you move the two pixels, this to the right? or... Then he gets grumpy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, he really doesn't.
3: Like like an angel on your shoulder whispering in your ears. Just two more
1: pixels to the right. We do whisper sometimes. (laughs) 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 We know it's a sin. It can be a bit annoying. (laughs) Just
2: joking. So I think it's very helpful because you get the feedback uh, in real time. You don't need to wait to finish the whole design and then push your stuff to QA and then say, Hannah, can you look at this? And then mm. she will come back with a lot of changes. Mm. I think it's, it's a way of getting things um, really in a really good shape, very quick. Yeah.
0: And uh, Because the other, the other method would be require for you to do way more context switching, right? Because if you say, okay, I'm, I think I'm done, you push mm. it, you wait, you're probably gonna start working on something else. Exactly. Hannah finds time to review it has some comments now you need to swap back from like what you just started to design again and back and forth so totally.
2: yeah exactly obviously it requires for HANA to be available at that time yeah mm. but but yeah usually we have we are pretty flexible totally um, flexible
1: i think you know we we also like to start off really early on in you know the moment we pick up a particular request or you know we found a particular problem we want to team up early on you know particularly from a design side we know that having you know the mind of a, of an engineer with us and giving us input right from the beginning helps shape a better solution and foster mm. and you know so we will pick it up together then we'll do the due diligence really to go away and you know explore the options and then come back together as two human beings you know trying to solve a problem mm. and put aside really our skills and our titles, and and just try and find the, the optimal solution given the constraints. Yeah, yes, and then also have some fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I agree. Sitting sitting together from the very beginning of the design process, it also helps because, unfortunately, you all, we always have some constraints due to the, to the legacy or due to the way we have implemented things in the past. Uh, so there are things that m- might not be possible to do, or there are things that are that might be more complex or they are going to be more time consuming. So sitting together and realizing what we can do, what we can't, or what's more complex or what's easier, uh, that helps a lot. And also sometimes things that maybe Hannah might think, well, that's that's going to be impossible to do. I'm not going to suggest it. Maybe it's not. So having those conversations uh, at early stage, it helps a lot.
1: Certainly.
0: Yeah, and and it definitely, as you said, we have an existing code base right and we, we have restrictions um, and, and this means like always we need to make trade-offs and, and as we said before we, we didn't go from oh yeah we need to be responsive so let's rewrite all of our pages that's just not feasible right mm. you, you always yeah. need to pick the things that give you the most you as a business and the user the most benefit for hopefully the, the least amount of work right 80 20 rule a- applies again yeah, <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Um, so, what I would like to know now is, what are some do's and don'ts for mobile-first design that we could give to our, our listeners as, as good uh-huh. little tips?
1: Uh, so, I think maybe I, I, there are sort of, as, as, we, as I went and thought about this, there were three real guidelines that I wanted other designers to take away. this if they are listening i hope they are um hi to all of you out there so the first one was to really think diversity it's recognize that somebody when you know that they are on the tube they are they do have a coffee in their hand they are distracted you know some notifications just jumped up and distracted them again and it's the world is a distracting place so it's really about looking at diversity of behaviors, people's intentions, the different devices that they're using. So think diversity. The second one was to, as I kind of already spoke to, was the think distraction. So recognize that what you are designing, somebody has got an incredibly low amount of time to take it in. You know, we see that people are not reading text anymore. If you've got subtext on your mobile device or on your site, It's not being read, like recognize it, (laughs) stop writing text, you know, unless it's really going to give you a good SEO uplift, which is also another thing you have to think about. Um, So think distraction. And then the third one was just remember, think consistency. So you really have to think about how does it look on your mobile device and then how do you translate it? You know, that very tough question. And let's make sure that it looks like the same site. When we do that, at least the same home, you know, so somebody can recognize it when they log on at home, or if they're on the tube. So those are three sort of guiding, guiding, li- uh, yeah, guidelines that I think should help.
2: Yeah, from the development point of view, I, I mean, we share m- most of those points, but I would say um, try to, to focus on on performance for for those worst cases, no, for those mobile devices on very poor networks. Uh, that's mm. a key thing because. A uh, website that is too slow on a mobile device is a website that is gonna have a, have a huge bounce rate, mm. and people is not gonna have the patience for it. Uh, so try to optimize for for the worst cases. Um, at the same point, try to write your CSS from from a mobile first approach. Um, that will help you having less code, but also will help help the browser loading the mobile CSS first and quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, then Obviously, other things like uh, try not to use tiny fonts or uh, small links. So make your, your links uh, have a proper uh, clickable area or tappable area in that case. Uh, and don't use small fonts, that's an obvious thing. Um,
1: of course, you know, for accessibility, you, you, you do really see people struggling with, like we said, they don't even read text to begin with. And then if you make it really small, no it's yeah. not gonna happen yeah. and 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 really those tappable links who how many of us are, have been so frustrated when you know I finger i'm quite lucky i've got a pretty ridiculously small <laughs> hands so, <laughs> so i've never struggled really with tappable areas but those tappable links good yeah. grief those are those are awful
2: yeah and i was gonna say that as a last one is trying not to hide content because uh, that's something that you, you a lot of times you are tempted to do when moving from a desktop design to a mobile design things that don't fit or things that you discard because they are n- not very important and you say well i don't have a space then i i hide them so if you hide them while you have them there in desktop at, at the first place But i think it, this uh, this is never a problem or in general it's not it hasn't been a problem because having a proper design and a proper ux uh, process behind those things don't get to development yeah. So. Yeah. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thank
0: <laughs> you. Yeah, I I really liked it saying, well, <laughs> if, if you can hide it on mobile then and, and get away with yeah. showing it on desktop, then why do you even have it, right? If you don't consider it, yeah, if it's that not that important. important.
3: Yeah. It's not makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm.
0: Alright. I think we're gonna leave it at here. Um that was absolutely amazing. I think we're yeah, we're a bit over our regular. <laughs> Uh, time oh. but <laughs> I, I, I hope people will enjoy it unfortunately you've listened to the other episodes so you know what what's coming now um jesus butterflies or bees butterflies butterflies all right good and for choice. you and for you <laughs> yes skeletons or zombies
1: oh good grief oh i'm gonna go with skeletons very nice ah. yeah good i'm choice. terrified you of zombies you
3: worried about your brain we're ab- just
1: brains, and sometimes yeah. I think we might actually already have some zombies. If <laughs> I go down Oxford Circus and you see people on their mobile phones, so, yeah, <laughs> it looks pretty much like the zombie apocalypse. So, skeletons. All
0: right, <laughs> this is it then from us today. Thank you all very much for taking your time and, and talk to us. Uh, thank you very much out there for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.
2: Bye bye.
1: Bye. Come on, pig.